Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 1 to verse 14. I'm going to be, make this uh, reading of the word. And as we do it, we start to share. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, According to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse 11, in Him... We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in Him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Everybody say amen. amen. Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, that as the first readers of this letter were moved, were inspired. And produce the revolution in their town because of such an amazing truth expounded and enlightened them. I pray, Holy Spirit, that as we walk through these holy grounds of your word, we also can be revolutionized, changed from inside out, from our mind to our thoughts and feelings. And eventually, even our behavior, Father. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you 
open up the eyes of our hearts to see the light of the gospel. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you guys ready for the word of God? I don't know about you guys, but when you read passages like this, passages like these long thoughts that Paul shares in Ephesians or Romans, just the reading out loud of these texts inspire you. Just move in your spirit in a way that you just can't be the same. Now, Paul, when he uh, shared this letter, is one in a specific time. But first I need to clarify this. Because we are presenting before you plain, raw, pure, unchanging truth. This is not a internet, ever-changing, constantly conspire kind of truth. This is the unchanging, eternal truth of the Word of God. And within this truth, there is power. It's not only truth to expose our condition, but it's truth to empower us to His eternal will. So we can be conformed. We can take the shape of Christ as we have this truth revealed unto us. Now, the fact that the truth is being exposed, the fact that I'm bringing plain truth before you, it doesn't mean you will be changed just because you are listening the truth. Let me give you an example. Every smoker, when he goes to a gas station and buy his cigarette or his vape taste flavor, he probably is going to be confronted with plain truth. Smokers die young. This substance can give you lung cancer. It's plain truth. But doesn't change anything. They actually open the box, put the very poison inside of their lungs, being, you know, exposed to plain truth. You know, actually, smokers speaks a lot to us, the church. Because we also gather in small groups. Pretty much like now, every smoker had to gather around other smokers in air, airports or public places. They have their specific points of gathering now, right? And they probably talk to each other. And they all have plain truth in their pockets. Changing nothing. God forbid us to be a circle of truth barriers without change inside. I, I want that this truth come and changes my way to deal with my wife. My way as I make business with in the marketplace. I want this truth really empowers me to live a godly worthy life. I want to allow this truth not only expose my condition of weakness, but empowers me with the grace of God to live in the stands, in the standards that it calls me to. Ephesus was this wealthy major city in Asia Minor. It was actually a Roman capital in that area. It was an important port. An important traffic city between the west and the east. 
Today it is in Turkey and making exactly the connection of West Europe to East Europe or Asia is even today. It was a commerce and governing influence with some um, archaeologists uh, saying that he had more than 500,000 people. And Paul visited Ephesus a couple of times. The first time he just passed by with his colleague Barnabas in his first missionary trip. The second time he actually spent almost three years in that city teaching the counsel of God, teaching the truth for three years in a school, school of Tyrannus. And the third time, when he was coming back from Greece, from Macedonia, heading toward Jerusalem, he had to gather the elders, the leaders of this church in a neighboring city called Miletus. He couldn't gather the elders in Ephesus because in the city, the gospel produced such a revolution. And together with that revolution, there were uh, people against the gospel. And Paul, in that moment, in that gathering of the elders, he said in Acts chapter 19, verse 20, the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. In, in that city, the whole gospel of God was exposed. And the result of that is that the word prevailed. And because the word prevailed in such a way that the culture of that place was being changed, was being slowly but surely shifted. But there were people depending on the old culture, lifestyle, way of life. And those people got really mad. They got really frustrated with this spreading, with that prevailing of the word of the Lord. Have you ever dreamed about that? The dean of your college sending you a private email saying, I don't know you much besides your registration in your college. But I heard you started this life group here in FGCU. And because you started this little gathering, the whole FSW campus, it's being poisoned with this quote-unquote word of the Lord. And everything you're doing in this small group is prevailing. It's spreading mightily in our college campus. I wanted to have a gathering with you. And you respond the email, you say, sure. And you explain, you try to clarify the dean of the college, the principal of your college, of your school, still not understanding. So he gathers all those students in your high school, in a big gathering, in the stadium, in the football field. And he wants to understand what's going on that this quote-unquote word of the Lord is mightily prevailing in his school. And he lost control. Have you ever wondered that maybe that revolution can also happen in your family? In that unbelieving relative, the rich cousin, 
the, the leader of all the uncles and aunts. He actually uses the Christmas gathering. And he makes that moment of conversation. He says, I don't know what's going on with our family. We used to be in a such a way, but it seems that this quote-unquote word of the Lord is prevailing in our family. I'm not understanding this. And he's lost because the revolution is taking place in your family. Or maybe you never wonder, but that could happen in your workplace. To the point that your boss schedule with you a personal meeting in his office. Not to give you a raising, but to talk with you. Because everybody that relates to you in the workplace during the lunchtime or maybe in between after job time people that just get close to you is reacting differently he notices the business is prospering he noticed that the the business is thriving but he doesn't understand what in the world is this quote-unquote word of the lord that mightily prevails in his workplace i dream about that I dream that the day that Vine Church people are going to be spread all over Southwest Florida. And will be producing this type of revolution. That maybe the authorities of the city will want to wander and creep in inside of our service. Just to check it out. What in the world is this quote unquote word of the Lord that prevails mightily in Lee County in Southwest Florida. Thank you for the amen. I believe that and I want to see this taking place in Jesus name. Because that was the result in Ephesus. Out of this disposition, this willingness of one man to, pre to present, to declare the whole counsel of God. Acts chapter 20 verse 27. Paul is saying his goodbyes to the elders. And he says, I did not shrink from declaring to you Ephesians the whole counsel of God. You don't need shrink back from your family god made you be born and raising this family so you should be the proclaimer the witness of this word it's not about you it is the word of the lord that has power to revolutionize this drunk culture set mindset of your family it is the word of the Lord that will prevail in your school, known in the neighborhood as a drug trafficking place. But now because the word of the Lord is prevailing, the statistics of where you are is changing. It's not about you. It is the word of the Lord. Now look the danger here, guys. This counsel of God, this word of the Lord was being blankly was purely presented to the Ephesians but after a couple of years some decades after Paul finished his ministry in Ephesus John Apostle John now a very old Apostle inspired by Jesus himself is writing another letter to the Ephesians Revelation chapter 2 verse 2 and in that letter, Jesus said, you started well, but something was lost. You were a recipient of the whole 
counsel of God, but you took it for granted. You, you, you received the expounding, the exposure of the word, but the word had no effect after a while. You took it for granted. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. They were still, after some years of Paul's ministry in Ephesus, a truth testing people but the truth in itself had no power I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake Jesus said and you have not grown weary but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you heard you had first they lost the first love so here is a major principle for whatever is the Bible knowledge you receive. We don't want to be known as barriers of the truth without the love we had first. What is the first love? What is that love they had at first? First John chapter 4. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but He loved us first and sent His Son to be the price, the propitiation for our sins. In another verse, verse 19, John keeps saying, we are only capable of standing on the truth if we receive and, and keep reminding ourselves that he, God, that He first loved us. So this is very important because Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians is a very profound truth. That after we listen and learn, may turn us responsible. But we don't want to only be acknowledging, cognizance. Of this truth and not practicer, practitioners or doers of the word. We want to put in practice in every aspect of our lives. His love shows us first. Romans chapter 5.10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. By the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled. Now that I'm aware of this reconciliation. I'll, I shall stand in life as a saved person. As a free person. Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us in Christ. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as his love chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. I know in love there, continuing the next verse, but I like what the early church fathers did in terms of verse here. Don't forget the love. The love is the power that allows us, empowers us, enables us to live the truth. Now, 
as we go into the, the word in Ephesus, we're going to learn that Ephesus was this city that hosted the temple of Artemis, her Greek name, or Diana, her Roman name, this deity that had such a, an amazing temple that some uh, researchers said that her temple was uh, 10 times the Parthenon in Athens. Diana Temple was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. That temple now don't, do not exist, does not exist. And her characteristic was this woman with dozens of breasts, a very weird type of woman. Uh, she was worshipped by the virgins as they will enter in adult life. They had to present her, their garment, their maiden garment, and also a piece of their hair as an offering to this deity. It took 244 years to build this temple. And in Acts chapter 19, verse 35, one of the worshipers of Diana, or Artemis, said, Man of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of Ephesians is the temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky. So in the context where people were waiting for blessings to fall from the sky, Paul remembered them. That the Lord has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That means that we are blessed in Christ. We're not waiting for money fall from heaven or fall from the government or fall from my family, my parents. I am blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I am already blessed. Whatever you are waiting for, you have already in Christ. Say amen, everybody. All the riches of God are hidden in Christ Jesus. That expression, in Christ, comes up 27 plus times in the book of Ephesians. Depends on how we read it. For example, the expression, in the beloved, may be considered in Christ. I personally consider. So we should be reminded of this wealth. These riches in Christ. Someone actually divided the letter to the Ephesians like this. Chapter 1 to chapter 3 is our wealth in Christ. Chapter 4 to chapter 5, it is our walk in Christ. In chapter 6, it is our war in Christ. I like that. Being Ephesus, this depository city, pretty much where all the banks of Asia Minor resided, pretty much like New York is 
or San Francisco or LA is in the West Coast, this place where the major banks have their headquarters. It is expected that Paul is going to use this bank language, this economy, financial language, to remind the readers that in Christ, we are the richest of all people of this earth. He writes in chapter 1, verse 7, In Him we have the riches of His grace. He writes, In Him we have obtained an inheritance. Chapter 1:13, The promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Now, I don't know if you have that unfortunate experience to write a check and your check bounce your check return you look to your drawer and you have a lot of checkbooks still so you wonder why that even return look how many checks i have you know it's useless to have checkbooks if you don't have credit to bank to support the value you write on the check my baby, like me, you had the credit, but your credit was in another bank account. You're writing a check from one bank account, but your credit was in another bank account. I know some of you guys are checking your bank app right now, and you don't find the credit. But if you look to your in Christ account, you have limitless resources oh if you only believe that our resources are in Christ we're gonna be blessed with every spiritual blessing it's all there Ephesians 1 3 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing so much blessings so much bless in one single paragraph is that something to tell us that you are blessed? Can you tell this to your close neighbor? Say, you are blessed, my brother. Look, just remember. Actually, in verse 6, it says, To the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the beloved. All right, so my theme here today is to give you five, only five, blessings that makes you the most Wealthy, rich, rich person in Southwest Florida and beyond. Number one, he chose us. Verse four, even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Now, I know people get confused about that. How dare God choose things? What do you mean? If he made you his creature as a choosing capable being, much more him as the creator can and will choose whoever he wants. But he chose you. Say amen, everybody. Amen. He decided to choose you. I know immediately your self-righteous mind think in about those that are not chosen. And in your self-righteousness, you think you are more just than God. 
You don't need to wonder about that. You need to rejoice on His sovereign, good choice that have chosen you. But pastor, in about those that are not chosen, I don't know who they are. That's why to everyone the doors are open and Easter service April 17 is invited. Everyone that are chosen to be saved. The fact that I am chosen makes me even more free to be who I'm called to be. Because I am certain that he chose me, I can boldly stand before you guys knowing that has nothing to do with me. Is all his sovereign will and grace empower me to be who I am. People get puzzled, but they don't understand that it's all about his grace. A great preacher on the end of the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon, once said, I am glad that God chose me before I was even born because I know he surely wouldn't do it after I grew up. I, I share the same joy. I, I know that somehow maybe I'm not the most fit apparently in my family to be chosen, but his grace and sovereign will chose me. Number two, he predestined us. In Christ, we were predestined. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. How that is even possible? I know I can't explain much, but I can give you 1 Peter chapter 1 that says that Paul, that God in Christ chose who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for a sprinkling with His blood. Yes, I know. If we barely understood His sovereign choice, much less His predestination. But we need to understand that God carries an attribute of foreknowledge. He is omniscient. He knows everything. He sees the timeline that for us is a chronological line as he sees everything yesterday, today, and in the future as is now. And I know we, we can't fathom that in our mind. But think about you in a hallway with a lot of doors, just like this place over here. And you, with your totally free will, chooses one of the doors and when you chose that door inside of that room you find a beautiful table with a banquet and in the seat on that table has your name in a tag saying your full name you are wondering how they even knew I was going to choose that door and when you look to the door you enter, in the very back of the door, there is a statement. Chosen in Christ since the foundation of the world. This tension between your free will and God's sovereign choice, it's very important in every believer's walk. If you don't keep that tension... 
the bridge that makes you walk in a healthy Christian life breaks. And you're going to fall in one of the extremes. The extreme of predestination makes people passive. They do not evangelize. They don't have the urgency of preaching the gospel. And they are always, always very comfortable and live a natural flesh type of Christian life. The other extreme, though, makes people very conscious of their, themselves so much that they live under condemnation and fear of judgment all the time. Just keep the tension. The, just keep the bridge held by God's sovereign will and your complete free will. In Him, we have redemption. Verse 7. In Him, we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of our, sin, our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. Number 3. He redeemed us. In a culture, in an uh, empire that held most of its power, its power with 6 million slaves... That expression was so powerful. In Christ, I have my freedom bought back. I have my redemption. I was brought back to God and I can walk in plain, perfect freedom. Together with our redemption, it came a letter of adoption. We are more than free slaves. We were adopted in the family of God. John chapter 1, 12. But to all who did receive him. Oh, I receive redemption. I simply receive freedom. Who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. Now don't think that it's only an adoption in a paper, in a document way. No, no, you were actually born out of God. Not out of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but you were born out of the will of God. I don't know if this brings security inside of your heart, but because I know I am chosen, I am predestined, and I redeem, my friend, I can stand before you all here this morning just because of that. I don't dare to rely on my academic skill my family background, or because people tapping my shoulder and said, good job, pastor, is all because I am chosen. I am predestined. And I know his blood paid it all. I can stand here not because I'm perfect, but because his blood redeemed me from all my trespasses and sin. And the same with you. Number four, he enabled us. Ephesians 1, 7, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished I love this word which he overflow it is grace that is multiplied upon us in all wisdom and insight the most important thing I need is wisdom verse 9 making known to us the mystery of his will yes he's made us capable we are useful instrument of God 
not out of our might, not out of our intelligence, but out of His power and anointing. You must believe that. That all necessary wisdom for your family, for your business, for your ministry is in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 130. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. I remember this message, Pastor. It's not only to have greatness within, I need wisdom from God. Let me tell you the source of wisdom from God is in Christ. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Number five. As we open this message, you are very rich. Every week, I receive this advertisement of a bank trying to promote me into using the equity of the assets I have. Equity is the actual value of my properties in the marketplace compared to the price I paid when I bought it. The banks want me to use that leverage credit for my own benefit. And the way they try to persuade me is send me this fancy, colorful letter every week saying, you are wealthier than you think. That never convinced me. But I'm totally convinced when I read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. In Him... We have obtained an inheritance. Verse 13, in Him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believing Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. What a rich is that. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. The very Spirit of the living God dwells in me. In Him you also who have heard the word of the truth. And believe in Him. Adhere to and relied on Him. Were stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. That Spirit is the guarantee to our inheritance. It is the first fruits, the pledge, the foretaste, the down payment of our heritage the anticipation of its full redemption and our acquiring complete possession of it to the praise of his glory the spirit of god is the treasure that we need the most and we have it it is this rich this treasure within us that empowers us that enables us to fulfill God's will. To fulfill God's eternal purpose. Would you stand on your feet right now? When Jesus was trying to dissuade the disciples from their fearful state of persecution. He said to the disciples, you will receive power say with me power you will receive riches power 
resources, limitless resource. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And with this power, this reach, this treasure, this enablement, you will be my witness. Now every time when it's coming to Easter, we challenge the church to invite your friends, bring your unbelieving family, just, just bring everybody. And you feel sometimes, sometimes powerless, limited, shy and you know, say, Pastor, this is not for me. You know, I, I don't have this, this ability to speak like you guys in the church. Let me tell you something. You have it all you need. All you need. I want to pray for you. Declaring empowerment this week like you never experienced before. And you're going to be impressed when you open your mouth. You're going to be impressed during this week when you dare to invite people to join us April the 17th I didn't know I had such words I didn't know I was actually capable to do that with your eyes closed lifted up your hands and receive what you already have <laughs> allow the stirring of the spirit that you already have right now as melody is playing in the back, as music is being sang right now, I want you to perceive the Spirit of God, bringing into memory those predestined to be saved in your family, chosen for salvation in your school. Allow the Holy Spirit to stir up your memory of those in your workplace that he has chosen since the foundation of the world but now they will listen from your words from your voice that they can also experience jesus father i pray over your church this morning holy spirit here we are with hands high for you. Holy Spirit, blow power. Always stir again courage, God. Remind who we are. Remind us that in Christ Jesus, we have everything we need. All wisdom from God. All the righteousness and sanctification to stand with boldness in our family. God, it's time of salvation. It's time for the harvest. And you are raising up the reapers in this place, God. You send us labors. Here we are, God. We are Jesus, the answer of your prayer. Father, you are raising labors for the harvest. Here we are. Here we are. some of you guys that may be watching or maybe visiting us in our church they're wondering I don't know even where to start you start with a simple prayer of devotion of surrendering 
You say to Jesus, Jesus, I am incapable. I'm so weak that I cannot even stand before God. And when you are humble like this, immediately you can be empowered with the Holy Spirit. We call this salvation. It's a matter of believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Divine Church, would you help me right now to make this prayer that can change people's eternity as they repeat with me. Everybody close your eyes. Say with me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I cannot save myself. I need a Savior. I need you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Save me today. I believe in you. Therefore, I confess. In your name I pray. And because there's salvation in this house, let's give a praise to God right now, everybody. Come on. Let's go.